Flashback Fridays. Flashback Fridays on SAFM. But for now, let's just hear quickly from Black Leopards director, Chief Tidiela. I put a call through to him uh, this afternoon just to find out how, as a club, they are dealing with the COVID-19 crisis and how it's uh, impacted the club on and off the field. Yeah, obviously, from the club's point of view, the, the, the impact is very major. And obviously, uh, especially if you can look on, on the financial side of things, you know, uh, we are a club that does not have a sponsor. We are a club, obviously, that depends on the <clears throat> large number of people that come to the matches, obviously, to raise funds as far as gate takings are concerned. So you find that most of the expenses, like salaries, they still remaining, but you find that your, you know, your income is not is not coming as it normally would. But you know, uh, 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 even though it's not something that is new, you know, in football. Uh, uh, I normally refer to it as a charity where you know that you, each and every club, I can tell you that none really runs at a profit. At mm. any normal time, we need to go dig from our pockets to be able to supplement the grant that we get to make sure that the, the team stays afloat. But now the problem comes in when, whereas the impact is also going to other businesses because you obviously need to take money from the other businesses that you have. For us at Black Leopards, you look at our family, they've got petrol stations. It's a situation where not a lot of people are moving, which means you can't sell that much. So it means wherever you need to get money to supplement the club, uh, uh, it's also less money that's coming in. So it makes it a bit more difficult, but I think it's something that obviously we know that it's affecting the entire (coughs) planet. And, and, you know, we just need to bear with it and hope it's going to come to an end soon. Mm. So now with you having to go into the pockets of the other businesses, have you been able to meet your financial obligations to your playing staff and non-playing staff so far? Yeah, so far so good. We're still trying to find ways to try and be able to to, 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 to make sure that you know everyone is taken care of. I think it's discussion that everyone needs to have and I think as an industry collectively, we'll need to come together and see what can we best do. Uh, uh, together as in club owners, sponsors, uh, uh, players, and everyone that is involved. Because obviously this is something that is impacting on everyone. And we need to sort of have a collective way forward to say, this is what we can be able to do if we are hoping to to not to survive beyond COVID-19. Because most businesses, uh, we can already see that most will not be able to, to come back after this. And would you expect players to be understanding in this situation, Chief? We spoke to Amazulu and Ulunga told us that he, he was asking for players to be understanding because, like you said, it doesn't just affect football, but it, expect, it affects everybody. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think, I think especially with footballers, like I said, there's one point that I mentioned to say. Anyone who's in football or who owns a team in South Africa, they do it out of their love. They do it as a charity. Mm. I don't think there's any team that runs at a profit. And I don't think there's anyone who's got a team who doesn't have another business that is outside, that is supporting the club. So if, if you find that people are taking their kids' money to put into the club to make sure that everyone gets paid or all the obligations are met, I think everyone at this stage will need to come uh, to the party. I mean, we, 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 we saw big European teams talking of pay cuts as well. Teams that we know that they know that they've got millions, they've got huge sponsors and all those things. So football generally, it, it's done mainly for the community. It's not even something that you can go and look at it uh, as a business.
Mm. I, I, I always argue with a lot of people and I make an example of my Melody Sundowns, excuse me for using them as an example, to say they're probably one of the teams that runs at the biggest loss ever. Uh, and how you determine a loss to say their income versus their expenditure. The expenditure is way, way higher. They are fortunate to have a president like Mr. Mutsipri who can be able to go to his other businesses and take money and put it in there. Hence, I'm still stressing to say everyone who's in football, they take their money from somewhere and put it in there. So I, I think at this stage, it would be fair for players and everyone around to be able to be understanding to say, no, uh, this is an, uh, uh, an abnormal situation. And everybody needs to be able to make sure that we come to some sort of an agreement, not only for now, but for the future, because you find a lot of people, if they think now, they may not be able to come back. So if we want this industry to be able to survive, it's going to definitely need everyone's input and everyone's sacrifice. And uh, to- looking at players now and players safety, Chief, have you asked your players to remain in one place? Are they back at their homes? Are they keeping in touch using video technology? Yeah, definitely. From the beginning, when the moment it was announced, the, the, the technical team drew up programs uh, uh, for, for, for them to follow. Every morning they send a program to, 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 to them for the next day to take part in. Uh, they use Zoom where all the players come through. And, and obviously just for a monitoring, because you can't know if somebody's table says that side, this one is that side, mm. you don't know if it is. So if if one is unable to be on Zoom, uh, that particular time is got until midday where the person must send a video of himself for that hour doing that doing the, 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 the specific exercises that have been specified. We had yesterday the first player in South Africa testing positive. Do your players have access to the doctors uh, if they want to test? Are they being tested? Yeah, obviously, it's tough now because everyone is in a d- different area. Some are even outside of the country as as, as we speak. Mm. So it's, that is difficult to, to be able to monitor what is happening. Fortunately, in the team's WhatsApp groups, we've got our team doctors who are constantly, you know, sending through information about the epidemic and, and, and things that people can do to make sure that they remain safe and, and, and healthy. So that's the best that at the moment that we are doing. And just looking at the season before it was suspended, what would you say were the challenges for Lepers this season? Because as management, you really went out to bring in experienced players. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's a couple of changes. Unfortunately, the departure of Luke, uh, 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 even the start. You know, sometimes I, I, I always say uh, football for me, it's like baking. <laughs> uh, you, you need to, you can have the best players. You can have all the money, but the reason I say is it's 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 like baking. You need to have all your ingredients. You know, you need to know that for this cake to come out, I need to have so much sugar. I need to put so much salt. I need so much margarine. This amount of flour, and and even time. You know, this amount of heat in the oven, and it needs to stay in the oven for a certain time for it to come out as a perfect cake. So sometimes, you know, you can still have all the ingredients and miss one. Then you'll find yourself that you know your cake is not coming the way it's supposed to have come out. So it's difficult to, to pinpoint, uh, uh, to say this is this one, which is in, in, in particular the problem. But I think the challenge that one faces, which is general that one cannot be able to do anything about, would be one, facilities, and, and second, it will be uh, uh, the, the geographical location. 
hence you see you'd find the Baroka struggling, you'll find the Pulukwane struggling, you'll find the Free State struggling. Because of geographical location, you know, to go to play, we'll need to travel a whole lot. Mm. I'll make an example. Some people will say, ah, you know, they get tired. They have to go to try and go to go play there. But they'll need to only go there once in a season. For us, we'll need to get out 15 times to go to different areas. For us to catch a flight to Cape Town, you still need to drive about five hours to get to the OR Tambo Airport because, you know, flying from Limpopo costs an arm and two legs. Mm. So, you know, there's all those small little things that are not so conducive. If you go to Tando, the team trains actually in Bulugwana because around the Vembe region, around Tando area, the, the, the whole district, there's nowhere where you can find a proper field where you can be able to train. So there are still all those standing things that we are trying, obviously, to work on to make sure that, you know, we are able to, to, to overcome those. But I still think we, we've got a team that can be able to compete. Uh, 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 that can still even fight off from the position that we're in. Uh, most of the resources we've got, like you mentioned, the players, and the main thing that we'll need is just get them in the right frame of mind. And I think they can be able to take on an anything. And on that note, what's your view on the season resuming? Some would like the season to resume, or would you accept the decision from the PSL uh, to call it off or whatever they make? Yeah, the PSL is us. We are the ones who will go and make the, the, that, that decision. So, uh, uh, and, and we need to make decisions based on the long-term vision of our industry and, and, and saying for our sustenance. Obviously, the first main point now is for us to be able to find a way to be able to compete, complete the season, uh, uh, obviously within uh, the regulations. If, if it's not gone, we need to find a way where we can be able to go and complete it. Now, you know, everyone will say whatever how they want the outcome to be based on their on their <clears throat> positions you know to say yeah, i guess i just want to win the league maybe a black leopard at the bottom no let them cancel it and just go there but i think we need to be selfless and not be selfish and think about ourselves only but think of a long term and 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 think of the industry and go out there and make a decision based on what is going to be sustainable for us long term so it's neither here or there the first thing is to say First thing, let's try and find a way where we can be able to say, let's complete this season. There's only six matches that are remaining. Fortunately, we've done uh, plans to say, if we're allowed to play, how would we do it mm-hmm. to be able to, 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 to play where people are still safe? Uh, uh, we are in close contact with the Department of, of, of Sports, the Department of Health, and the Department of Police and Safety. So I think we will be able to come through with, with some way to go. Fortunately, I think FIFA allowed football to say beyond 30 June, we are still able to be able to use the players or extend our seasons. But it, it, it's a new situation where we'll have to take it as it goes. I think for now, we still have some time to play around with. When we are under pressure, maybe that's when we can think of other options, maybe abandoning or saying this and that. But that, it's up to the 32 PSL teams to decide. And and just finally, Chief, a word on uh, Kapinga. A lot's been said about him over the past few months. What's the club stance on Kapinga? Because we even saw today there's an article that says he's signed for Sundowns. Yeah, I think that if, if he signed for Sundowns, that would be between Sundowns and him. I, I would not know. Obviously, for us as Black Clippers, we'd want to still be able to keep him and extend his or, or, or his contract and all that. But as far as his signing, if he signed with Sundowns, obviously we would not be involved in that. Did you offer him a new contract and has he has he accepted or not? 
No, obviously, yes. It is not signed, signed, signed the new offer on the contract yet. Okay, so that is the director of Black Leopards, uh, Chief uh, Tiriela. They're just giving us an update on uh, how the club is dealing with the challenges, the implications, the complications caused by uh, COVID-19. And at the moment, they are still able to pay their players. They've had to dig deep into their other businesses, uh, the petrol stations that uh, they own. Uh, but as you heard from that interview, he says that even that's a challenge because now people are in lockdown, so nobody is uh, really driving and filling up. So it's been tough, but they have been able so far to meet their financial obligations to their playing and non-playing staff. But uh, things could uh, could 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 change like many other clubs have told us that are able to play to pay so far this month they don't know what the future holds and also chief they're just talking about whether they would like the season to resume or not they are bottom of the log with only five wins from 24 matches as the black leopards and uh, first prize is uh, the season to be uh, completed but they are part of the psl so they will make that decision as the psl nothing came out of yesterday's meeting by the way of the psl exco it was agenda until further notice and we don't know uh, when that is so there's nothing basically to report back on that but like we've been putting calls through to to the clubs just to find out how they are dealing and how they are coping with the situation what was interesting for me in that clip is what he had to say about about the challenges faced by leopards and the fact that traveling is a big challenge especially because of where they are uh, they always have to get out to go play other teams while other teams only go to Toyando once and he says that's been a big challenge for for him as, obviously as well as the changing of coaches and the big story is Liseri Kapinga there was a story today that he has signed for sundowns. We don't know how true that is. It has not uh, been uh, confirmed uh, so far. and um, so. But it looks like Lisseri Kapinga is definitely leaving Black Leopards at the end of the season. Now, where he's going, we don't know. There's sundowns. There's also been a link with Orlando Pirates. We'll never know uh, what happens in South African football. All I'd, I know is that he's vacating his place where he's staying. He's leaving at the end of next month. So that's surely a sign that is leaving for Gauteng. Uh, we do apologize. We still can't get hold of our guest uh, this evening, Fanecha Fani de Villiers. He had agreed to speak to us between 6 and 7 p.m. We've put out an SOS to all those people around him just to remind him maybe he took a nap or funny there and he just forgot about our interview. Uh, these things do happen, of course, on radio, but we are still trying, so please bear with us and please accept our apology and an apology on behalf of Fanecha Fani de Villiers. We will get to him. But let's get to the clip that I opened with when we started the show. Uh, we heard from from former SA Davis Cup and Fed Cup captain John Lafne Diaga. He started an initiative basically to help raise funds for COVID-19. He also weighed in uh, basically giving his support to Tennis South Africa who've submitted a report to the Sports Ministry about the return of tennis in Level 4. And uh, we just want to find out more from John Lafne about this uh, initiative that he started and he joins us on the line now. John Lafne, good evening and thank you for being able to speak to us on SAFM. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough time for everyone. Everyone is, uh, you know, no, this, this virus is not, uh, you know, sparing anybody. So it's tough times out there. And yeah, as a form, as, as, a, as a coach myself, I know how tough it is and having an academy, how tough it is with the coaches. So, you know, I just felt that I wanted to, you know, to help and see how, you know, how we can raise money for our fellow coaches. I've had a lot of calls from coaches asking me to please, you know, see if I can speak to the minister or the president and getting tennis back um, out there. You know, research has shown that tennis is one of the safest sports, you know, to, to play during COVID-19. And uh, because of social distancing, you know, the coach and, the, and the, especially if there's private coaching, the coach and the player, you know, the distance is always more than, you know, six meters. So uh, it's safer to play tennis than, you know, to go to the store and buy food. So 
my appeal is basically to you know to the president, the minister, and to say please let the tennis coaches get back onto court so we can we can work and earn some money because we have no platform to, you know to receive any um, funding from government. So if we don't work, we don't get paid. So it's 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 tough times. I know everybody's struggling and there's there's people that, that doesn't have food and but the coaches are you know one part of society that's in the same position. If they don't work, they don't get money. They can't feed their family. So. Yeah, I just felt that I needed to step up and, you know, get my former players and, and tennis community and sponsors and manufacturers and retailers, everybody involved to try and help and see how we can help the tennis officials and the coaches. Mm. And before we talk about the return of tennis, John Lafner and Caring Daisies, where exactly are you at the moment? The last time we spoke to you last year, you were in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I mean, I came back in October because, you know, our company, No Boundaries, organized the Fedra and the Dahl Match in Africa event. So, mm. I've been in South Africa since October organizing that event and we were very fortunate that, you know, we could still have that event, that world record breaking event and to have Roger and Rafa, yeah, it was amazing. So my plans were to return, you know, um, to England for Wimbledon and then I have world team tennis. Uh, right now it's, it's still on the cards. It's supposed to start on the 12th of July. I mean, we're nine teams in the league and we were, obviously you play home and away matches, but the plan now is to have all nine teams play in one city. So all the players will get together for three weeks in one city, being quarantined teams probably for a week beforehand to make sure that everybody is safe and then play the league. And uh, yeah, then I worked with a young kid in in the US and then probably going to go back to San Francisco where I was based for a year to work um, with a kid. And then, uh, yeah, do some more. We're planning on doing some more events in South Africa as well, depending on how, you know, the season gets back. It's tennis is tough because we have so many people from different countries, coaches and players, um, so it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. The next big event that they have to decide on, obviously, is the U.S. Open. That's mm. going to be in uh, in September. Is it possible? Because I heard Boris Becker says they might as well call it off because I believe that they're also using the complex where they play the tennis as a, as an emergency hospital. Yes, but uh, there's talk that um, they want to move the U.S. Open to Palm Springs where mm. Indian Wells was supposed to be held. It's a great facility, a lot of courts. They definitely have... The facilities are marvelous, and uh, they definitely have the room to to host the U.S. Open there. So, obviously, they would love to have it in New York, but uh, you know, New York's one of the cities in the in the U.S. that's been hit the hardest with uh, COVID-19. So, we'll have to see what happens in the next few months. They have to make a decision, and uh, obviously, they'll they'll see what what's the best position. But it's tough for sport. I think a lot of people, you know, they miss the sport on TV. But uh, I believe we've got to stay positive. We've got to do things now, and. You know, but we never have opportunities to do, and uh, there will be a lot of positive things coming out of this. And you mentioned that you were involved in that match in Africa, John Lafne. What did you make of how it was embraced here in South Africa and the reaction? Yeah, I mean, it was it's amazing. I mean, it's, um, you know, it took me four years to to basically convince Roger and his agent to to you know to come to South Africa. I knew that they always wanted to come, but you know, he never had a date. So. You know, it was it was great to have them here. I mean, I think everybody embraced it. It was it was such a special event, and, and the great thing is, you know, talking to other sportsmen that's that's been to World Cups and played in World Cups. Um, that just said, listen, it was one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. I think everybody embraced it. Um, the spirit that the South African people showed, and there was just that a good make it a good feeling that everybody had. Uh, I think it was awesome to have Trevor Noah also here and Bill Gates. They they were great with their exhibition mass beforehand and. You know, what Roger's doing around the world, embracing, you know, um, poverty and helping young kids and what, what Rafa's done, you know, it's amazing. And the two players together, what they've done for tennis is, is fantastic. So, 
I, feel, I think, you know, um, Roger's mom, Lynette, she brought a lot to the party. Mm. I think people really enjoyed her. She's a great person. And, um, you know, I hope hopefully the, you know, we've, uh, we've raised nearly $3.6 million for his foundation. It's the most that they've ever raised for any match of Africa. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, they'll be back in South Africa maybe in the next two years to do something like that again. So it'll be really awesome. Let's talk about your own fundraising drive now, Tennis Cares. You've already mentioned that you are uh, working with Caring Daisies, but you also want to support the tennis coaches and officials who've been affected by COVID-19. So how do people get involved and how do they support John Lafney? Well, the, the easiest to go to uh, uh, Tennis South Africa's website is www.tennissa.co.za or they can follow, go into my Twitter at John Lafney, J-O-H-N-L-A-F-N-I-E. We have all the details there, um, and we've, we form the partnership with the Caring Daisies. People can donate. And then we have an independent board um, that will look um, through all the applications. Coaches have to ap- apply and, and state their situation. And then, uh, yeah, the, the independent board will decide who's going to get the funding. We obviously want to raise as much money as possible so, we'll, you know, so we can try and help everybody. But it is a lot. There's over more than 850 coaches and officials. So um, we just, you know, want to appeal to the tennis community you know, people out there that love tennis, you know, any 50, 100, 200 rand will make a difference. So we just, I just feel that we've got to step up and help our own community. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of coaches that are struggling at the moment, like like the rest of the South Africa. Mm. But, uh, you know, we, I feel as a tennis community, we've got to stand together, you know, and help our own. And tell us more about Caring Daisies. Caring Daisies is a, is a foundation that's been, been going on for a long time in South Africa. They, you know, they have uh, fundraising um, events and they help a lot. They're very diverse. You know, they help people that, you know, can't pay for operations. They they help the farmers that doesn't have food. So um, I've had a, a partnership with them for, for a long time as well. And, you know, when I called Andrea, who runs the Caring Daisies, and I said, this is what I want to do. She said, no problem. They'll, they'll take hands with us. So basically, it's spreading the word, sharing, trying to reach people that can donate money. And also, you know, people can get a... Um, 18A certificate if they make a donation uh, bigger than 5,000 rand. So um, I believe that we're going to do a, a lot of great things and help, help people and make a difference. Um, in the next week or so, we're going to have some au- auction items that we'll um, put on social media that uh, we're going to auction up to, to raise some more money. Is there a time period or are you running it to throughout this crisis? Yeah, we're running it throughout this crisis and hopefully, you know, that's something that can stay, that um, there could be a fund to help coaches and tennis officials because we don't know how long it's going to be before we'll be able to have tennis tournaments. Mm. Um, hopefully in the next week or so, you know, they can uh, they can really look at our, our plea and see that, you know, and say that tennis coaches can go back because it's really, it's very safe to be out there on a tennis court. Now between six and nine, when you see how many people are walking outside and, you know, it's Sometimes it's tough to have social distancing. And then you look at um, the space that people have on a tennis court. Um, it is safe. So hopefully in the next week or so, you know, the minister and the president will decide that tennis coaches can go back and, and coach. And so how do the, the, the coaches and the officials then apply for funding here? Well, basically what they do is, you know, um, there's an there's a, a email um, where they will send um, their, they, they apply. They, will, they have to give them uh, bank statements, just official ID, where they live, and then they've got to um, tell us their story, why they should be one of the recipients of the money. And what we do is we basically the, um, we use um, electronic vouchers. So we will send the money that we send to them will be sent to their phone, and they will be able to then go to, you know, ShopRite checkers, to pick and pay, to disc game, 
um, and, and they can go buy the, the necessary food and essentials that they need. And is there a criteria for the coaches? How, how do you then determine which coaches can have access to the fund? The coaches that's in the most need will get the funds first. So um, the only criteria is that they need to be a registered coach from in tennis South Africa and they need to be in good standing. And uh, basically that's the only criteria. It's a wonderful initiative, uh, John Lafner, and we hope people can support you and support uh, this initiative. Now you've been talking about the return of tennis, that it's possible for tennis to return in level four. You've, sub- you've supported Tennis Essay's uh, proposal to Parliament. And I guess there's already a blueprint, a blueprint from around the world because some countries are allowing tennis to come back in their uh, relaxed lockdown regulations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we on social media, we see, and some of my friends, you know, obviously guys are still playing, you know, speaking to them and they, you know, there's some of them that, that that's already out there practicing again and it's great. That's uh, it's awesome and I really hope that, you know, we can, you know, get back onto the court sooner than later and especially on the international circuit as well because there's, you know, there's a lot of people that struggle, players that are struggling. I mean, Novak Djokovic put a proposal in place where, you know, um, people, the players will donate money to cover for players that's ranked between 300 and 700. That's not making a living at the moment. So, you know, it's tough. I, I, I see and I read the rugby guys, cricket guys, soccer guys. They're taking a pay cut, 20%, 30%. You know, tennis players and golf players, they have no salary. If there's no tournament, there's no pay. They, you know, just only the big guys that do have the, you know, commercial sponsors that's making money. The rest of the guys, you know, they live, they live on prize money. So if there's no tournaments, then they don't getting a, they're not getting a salary. So it, it's tough. It's tough out there for those guys. Okay, John Lafnett, thank you for speaking to us here on uh, SAFM and uh, we're going to keep spreading the word here about uh, this initiative, this wonderful fundraising drive that you've launched. Oh, thank you very much, Bisha. Thank you for the opportunity to share it with you guys. Thanks, John Lafnett. That's a former... Thank you. Have a great evening. Thank Thanks. You, thank you, Bye. sir. You too. Bye-bye. That's a former SA Davis Cup and Fed Cup captain John Lafnett Yaga who's got this initiative with the Caring Days' charity to launch the Tennis Cares fundraising drive. And... Um, I don't want to go too much into detail about the possible return of tennis during Level 4 because we do have an interview scheduled with Tennis SAC O Mr. Richard Glover who will be available to speak to us sometime next week. So we'll go through... Uh, in. Uh, through the proposal in more detail I've been able to go through it uh, they've made some interesting points here but there are one or two questions also uh, that we can ask to the CEO so I thought it would be unfair to ask that to John Lafne Di Iaga and uh, we are trying folks we're trying Fanny De Villiers, but I think sooner or later we're going to have to make a call because we have 20 minutes left of our show and I don't think if even if we get Fanny De Villiers now it will do justice to the interview that we want to do to him so I think we might have to cut our losses here and uh, try and reschedule Fanny De Villiers for and uh, next week it happens it happens in radio it's happened before yeah i'm sure you remember that it's happened and um we did speak to funny devilas twice he did agree we've also got a confirmation from him on whatsapp and it probably just slipped his mind or maybe there's an emergency or something came up you know uh you have to look at all those possibilities when a situation like this arises so we'll give funny devilas the benefit of the doubt but i think it's only fair that we even if we do get him now 20 minutes won't be enough to do justice to a legend like Fanecha funny so we're gonna try and fill up the show and hopefully we can get Fanecha funny to speak to us next week at safm radio and at tabi so on twitter
So yesterday we opened the show with a clip of uh, the Sharks uh, skills coach Piwe Nomlomo, who is also a former coach at Selborne, former coach border youth teams, and uh, he was identified as a future um, a r- rugby coach, as w- one of the ones to watch basically in the future. And he was roped in by the Sharks under the coach Sean Everett, where he works as a skills con- co- skills uh, consultant or a skills coach, and he's also launched uh, the, his his initiative, uh, which is on gridsports.co.za, where basically Basically, he's gone online uh, during this lockdown period and he's just uh, giving his thoughts and he's interviewing guests just about um, schools rugby and giving information that people might need about schools rugby. He told us yesterday they are focused, the rugby pathway to national level, coaching and education. And uh, the rest of the interview we couldn't play yesterday. And I asked him, I mean, what is he hoping that people take out of this initiative? And we also spoke about his time at the Sharks. It's an informative show. So like I said initially, we want people to understand what schoolboy rugby is about. Everyone is saying schoolboy rugby has become too professional. Mm. We want to try and bridge a gap, especially this year where there's no more games that are going to be played. So we try and profile as many players as we possibly can to try and get them to the different varsities. And if we can get a scholarship or two on the way, then we feel like we've done our job. It's to help where and maybe plug a shortage between uh, the universities, the unions, and the schools. And, and we try and, and be that bridge between the two. And how do people then access, uh, how do people watch the show? Where where do they find the link? I've been fortunate I've been sent a link, but for those listening? Look, we, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Uh, we air live um, on, on Fridays at 7 o'clock. Um, so it's easy to just go in and find Great Sports TV, and that's where you'll find us. You are a former player yourself. You're now a coach and you've worked with the youngsters. Is that why you've decided to go this route? Is that where the passion comes from? Yeah, I think greatly from that. I always hoped that maybe someone would have would have coached me or taught me the way that I would like to think that I have a look at the game and have a feel for it. Just the care. I just wish someone would have taken care like I, I want to take care of the kids. Yeah, I think that's that's where it comes from. And you probably have seen the shortage in that I was never the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't the guy that was spoken about. Um, so talent didn't really matter because you weren't the biggest. So I want to make sure that everyone is, is well taken care of. Doesn't matter of the size, doesn't matter of your background. Um, if you're good enough, we want to offer you the opportunity. You... I have now been offered an opportunity to return to the Sharks coach, uh, P.Y. It's been a few months now as a skills coach. How has the journey been? Do you feel that you've come full circle? Um, yeah, that circle still needs to, needs to go on a bit more to have gone full circle. It's been a privilege. It's been an absolute privilege to to work for the Sharks. Um, it's one of the, if not the best union in South Africa. In terms of, of results at the moment, definitely. I mean, uh, we top off the log in the Super Rugby. Um, and again, just to, to work with the gentlemen that I work with on a daily basis, it's, it's been an absolute honor. And what exactly does your role entail, Coach, and which teams do you work with at the Sharks? Uh, so I do skills, backs and attack, and uh, I'm mainly involved with the Super Sport Challenge side, or would have been involved with the Super Sport Challenge side. Uh, and now we're going to go into carry cup. So we've got carry cup for the under-21s and we've got carry cup uh, for the senior girls coming and I'll be 
mainly, in fact, I will be involved with the under-21s coming up this year. A lot of the Sharks players we've spoken to have uh, really praised the new coach, Coach Sean Everett. He's, he's roped you in, obviously. Um, how has it been working with Shaw, Coach Sean or just sharing ideas with him? And what do you think has been key to, to, to their success in Super Rugby this season? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, we, we're not a big coaching staff at all. So we all sit in one office, open space, and we can bounce ideas as, as we see. And Sean is a, is a fantastic human being where he's really open to sharing ideas. Um, and he's just been great in how he's welcomed everyone. I mean, um, I'm new there. This, I came in towards the back end of last year. Brent came in towards the back end of last year. Dave and uh, Mark Valve have been there with Sean. So it's really a good a really good cohesive unit at the moment. And the way they've, they've played says a lot about Sean's management style as well. Um, they've been fantastic as a management in how they've gone on about their business. And you've said, Coach, that um, the circle is not full yet. It's still going around. I mean, you've coached at Selborne, you've coached at Border, SA, under-18s. Over the next few years, what are your targets? What are you hoping? How far are you hoping to take this journey? Look, my biggest thing is growth. So as long as I feel I'm learning, as I feel I'm, I'm, I'm growing, um, I'm happy to be wherever I am. And at the moment, I'm not looking past um, the shocks right being and where I'm at because I feel like there's so much scope for growth and uh, I'm really honored and I'm happy to be where I am. Uh, there's good challenges that are growing me. So it's not so much a destination uh, and maybe the process that I say um, that circle will obviously get fuller and fuller as the process gets better. Okay, that is Coach P. Nomlomo there, skills coach at the Sharks, talking to us about the buses full with Coach P as well as his role at the Sharks and uh, his future, basically. I mentioned he's been identified as one to watch alongside uh, Coach Mzwake Nkosi, who was in charge of the SA schools also, while Coach P. was in charge of the under-18. So these are uh, believed to be the next generation of young black coaches uh, coming into their scene here.